0: Greetings and welcome to Stamper Cinema. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, I am your host. My name is Andrew. In store for you today, we've got we've got a little bit of a treat. It's not going to be our traditional style episode. In fact, we're not going to have any guests today. The episode probably won't last as long as they usually do. So basically, that means I'm just going to be yapping at you for the next 10 to 20 minutes. I don't know. It really all depends on how much I've got to say about what we're going to be talking about. So why am I doing this mini episode? We're going to call it a mini episode. So why? Well, here's the why. Every once in a while, I come across a movie that absolutely blows my mind. And when that happens, I have to tell everybody about it. Now, prior to COVID, that would be really easy for me. I'd, you know, call up a buddy and say, hey, let's hang out. And we would go to a bar or a ball game or, you know, whatever, have a couple drinks or whatever. And I'd be like, holy shit, did you see blah, 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 blah. And it'd be cool. We, you know, we'd chat about the movie and I'd be able to get that release out that way. But now with COVID, things are a little bit more challenging. So. Essentially, you guys are that release, and that's why I do this podcast, really, is to kind of talk about movies and get shit off my chest. But instead of hearing about a movie that other people are thinking about, these little mini-episodes, and I I think this is something that I'm going to do periodically, maybe once a month, maybe once every other month, who knows? It just depends on what you guys think of it. But what I want to talk about today... Well, there are going to be a few movies I'm going to talk about today, but and they're all kind of intertwined, but the movie that's going to kickstart it was this little Canadian film that came out a couple of years ago. It's called Summer of 84. And I say it came out a couple of years ago. I think it was released in 2018. It may have done the festival circuit that year, but basically it's a thriller, mystery, suspense, horror flick about this 15-year-old kid who is convinced that one of his neighbors is a serial killer. Now you're probably thinking, "Wait a second, I've heard of other movies that kind of do so- something like this, right? There was Disturbia and they even there there was uh that serial killer in Home Alone, Old Man Marley, right?" Well, we're not really like breaking new ground by talking about about movies with a with a neighbor that might be up to no good. And for lack of a better term, the 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 best Terminology I've got for it. And I don't know if there's a phrase that's already been coined, but the phrase I'm going to use is the nosy neighbor genre. And this nosy neighbor genre that we're going to cover today are just that. These movies where your central protagonist is convinced that one of their neighbors is up to no good, whether they're a serial killer or a rapist or a vampire or a wife-cheating narcissist, or or whatever, whatever it may be. We're going to call it The Nosy Neighbor. So I've got a few movies. In fact, I'm, I'm going to talk about this movie, The Summer of 84, and then I'm going to talk about my f- top three favorite Nosy Neighbor movies. And I want you to do a little bit of thinking, and in fact... After hearing me ramble on for however long this episode is going to be, I would love to hear what you think, what your favorite top three or top four, top five favorite nosy neighbor movies are. And let me know whether on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, what have you. And by the way, y'all need to be reaching out to me on Instagram and Twitter because I, I love the feedback that I'm getting on Facebook, but you guys are definitely silent on those other forms of media. So kind of breaking my heart. I feel like I'm, I'm just kind of like yapping away to myself. And I know you're listening. I I, I look at the metrics. And by the way, I'm extremely, extremely thankful for everybody that do listen each week, it, it, it I, I can't say enough about how how excited I am that you guys are listening. I, I make these episodes for you, and the fact that you guys are listening is really cool. So, you know, interact a little bit with me more. It'll uh, <laughs> it, it makes this a whole lot more fun. But you know, shit, if you don't want to, that's totally cool. Just tuning, just tune in each week. i I'm, I'm so cool with that. Anyway, long story short, I'm going to talk about my favorite nosy neighbor movies, and I would love to hear what your favorite nosy neighbor movies are. So so let's unpack this and start talking about the first movie of the four that we're going to talk about today, and that is the 2018 Canadian film Summer of 84. So as stated before, it's a 2018 Canadian thriller film film. About a fifteen-year-old kid who thinks his neighbor is up to no good, and especially he, he's convinced that his neighbor is a serial killer. And why I like this movie, and there are many, many reasons why I like this movie. Is it the greatest? And is it going to be at the top of the list of the other films going to be talking about today? Hell no. But. It does some things that are really interesting, and that's why I want to talk about it. To paint a a, a picture of what's going on, it's the early 80s, and we're in Cape Bay, Oregon, small town in Oregon, and our central protagonist is a kid named Davy. You know, he... He wants to believe that there are things interesting going on in the world at that time. And if you put yourself in 1984 America, we're at that 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 time where it's up for re-election for Ronald Reagan and George Bush going up against you. Shit, who was it in 84? Was it Walter Mondale? I want to say it was Mondale that was that was up against Reagan in 84. Anyway. We're we're in the small-town community, and it's 1980s America. And as a kid that very much was a kid of the 80s, I totally identified with the protagonist. And that's, that's really what movies are all about, is being able to see a version of yourself in these movies. And our protagonist is a kid named Davey. He has a paper route. He has... Three other good buddies that he's really close with, and they have their issues that they're all dealing with within their own families. But Davey, you know, he's your all-American good kid, and he has fun, but he thinks he sees something one night because there's a string of uh, unexplained murders that are going on in neighboring communities and in the Pacific Northwest region. Well, shit, well, maybe the killer is in my neighborhood. And because he sees something by one of his neighbors, he he thinks, well, shit, maybe Mackie, and Mackie is the name of the guy, he's actually uh, a cop in the neighborhood and kind of like a very well-liked individual at that. But he's like, well, shit, I think Mackie might be Serial killer. So he he talks to his friends and you know he he tries to convince them like no 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 i th- i think we're on to something we need to investigate this blah 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 and here's where I'm gonna walk like a very slippery slope. I really want to give spoilers in this movie and every other movie I'm gonna talk about, but I also recognize not everybody has seen the movies I'm talking about, so I I'm not going to talk about the final acts of these movies and really divulge anything too plot-centric. I'll give you the brief synopsis and the things that I like about the movie, but I'm not going to spoil anything for you. So think of this as a mostly spoiler-free movie. Um, All but one. I'm I'm kind of going to ruin one of the movies, but it's okay. It's kind of told to you right on the poster. So, you know, shit, you know, if you're... if you're leaving up to me to... hold the the overall, like, integrity of a plot, like, quiet... <clears throat> ain't gonna happen. So, anyway, uh, this movie. So, as stated, he, he talks to his friends, and he's like, shit, dude, I think Mackie, his serial killer, his friends, all reluctantly get on board. And... They go through the whole trial of trying to crack the case. Is he or isn't he a serial killer? And there are so many things about this movie that I like and not necessarily focused on the plot. We can talk about predictability within this this genre or subgenre as like, dude, you know he's going to be a killer. You know he's going to be a killer or whatever. I'm not saying he's a killer or not. But you go into it, having seen other movies similar to it. Shit, dude, uh, old man Marley and Home Alone, he wasn't a serial killer, right? He was just a nice neighbor that just wanted to salt driveways and shit. But you have that expectation when you watch these movies. But that's not why I like this movie. What I liked about this movie is, one, thoroughly enjoyed the time frame as a kid, as a Gen Xer that grew up in the 80s. I really was able to put myself in this world. I knew what these kids were up to. Uh, one of the kids going through marital problems and, you know, kind of relying on other friends to help them go along this way. I got it, you know, as very much a, a kid that, you know, uh, my parents were divorced. I, I was very easy. Uh, I, I identified easily with, with that idea also having a lot of friends as a kid you know we often would create different little adventures for ourselves to do things and while i didn't necessarily think i had any potential serial killer neighbors as a kid you know those were things that i was still intrigued by so i enjoyed that also the music in the movie has a really really fantastic score very very reminiscent to Stranger Things on Netflix, very synth focused, good, good uh, '80s vibe to it, and I really enjoyed that. I also thought the actors, and I'm not really going to talk about their names because, for the most part, they're all relatively unknown at this point in 2020. I firmly believe there are a couple of the the young actors that are probably going to go on to, you know, have a, a larger career but they're mostly fresh faces in this movie, and that was kind of kind of fun. You know, it, it's kind of neat. Um, if you want to see this movie, it is currently streaming on Shutter. obviously. I, I talk about Shutter all the time, uh, so it makes sense that this movie would be on it as well, but you probably are able to download or rent it on Netflix or Amazon or something like that, but if you want to watch this movie, you know, pay the $5 and stream Shutter for at least a month based on the other movies I've already talked about. You know, you can watch summer of 84 and a myriad of other movies and you, you already make your money back. That ne- that, that streaming service is far and away better than anything else out there. So especially in the month of October shit, like this would be the month to do it. There's so much great content on there, but anyway, long story short, good movie, good acting. Good score, good direction, good set design. All of it was really good. Predictability? Yeah. Yeah, mostly predictable. But where this movie took me, or rather where this movie gained a little bit more appreciation from me was in its final act. And I'm not going to talk about the final act, but this movie very much understands the world in which it's in. And it... It follows the rules, but in the final act, it kind of flips everything upside down, which I thought was really cool and a really interesting take by the filmmakers. And that's why we're doing this episode. That's why I want to talk about it is because the movie is a great ride for the first, I don't know, hour and a half. But then the final 15 minutes is just really, really cool. So hopefully... If you haven't seen this movie, maybe my rambling on has intrigued you. If not, well, you know, sorry, sorry for wasting your time, maybe. Ah, shit, this isn't a waste of time. We're talking about movies. We're all friends here, so this is good. So that, my friends, is the movie Summer of 84. All right, so now let's talk about my top three favorite nosy neighbor movies. So the first on our list is the 1985 mystery... Nah, not really a mystery. Suspense horror flick Fright Night. That is right. The OG Fright Night. We're not talking about the one that was made like 10 years ago with Colin Farrell. I think it was Colin Farrell. No, we're talking about the 1985 movie with uh, Chris Sarandon... William Ragsdale, Amanda Bierce, a.k.a. I believe it was Darcy from Married with Children, uh, Roddy McDowell as Peter Vincent. Yes, that Fright Night, one of the coolest 1980s movies of all time. So good. So good. What is this movie all about? Well, we focus on our protagonist. In this case, his name is Charlie Brewster, an oversex 17-year-old that really just wants to get laid uh, by his girlfriend, Amy. They've been—how uh, oh, does he phrase it? I think he says, we've been going together for, I think, I don't know, two years or whatever, something like that. But basically, because he had been putting in the legwork, uh, he you know he, he feels that Amy should give it up, right? You know, he just wants to get laid, as many a, a teenage boy is want to do. And tonight seems to be the night. It's going to happen. You know, unfortunately, I don't think Amy is really, really feeling it, but I think he's just kind of worn her down. But after a small little fight, he goes to look out the window and he sees or he thinks he sees. His neighbors unloading a coffin into their basement, and he's like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" Uh, he tries to get Amos' attention. They get into a little bit, of, they get into a little bit of a fight, and she storms out. Blah 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 blah. But anyway, point is, Charlie is now convinced that his neighbors are up to some weird undead type shit going on, and the next night he witnesses his neighbor. Uh, played by Chris Sarandon, aka Prince Humperdinck from um, *The Princess Bride*, he he witnesses um, some uh, some some sex going down, and wouldn't you know it, Chris Sarandon sports some fangs, so naturally. Charlie's like holy shit my neighbor is a vampire and he loses his mind and subsequently becomes obsessed and he tells his friends my neighbor is a vampire he tells his mother he tells the cops he tells Peter Vincent because obviously Peter Vincent lives in the same town as him and he tries to convince everybody in his town that Jerry Dandridge who's the neighbor is in fact a blood sucking vampire they all look at him like he's crazy because are you fucking kidding me a vampire this makes no sense But obviously it's a movie, so of course he is a vampire. Of course he's a vampire, and only Charlie can stop it. So that is Fright Night. 1985, really, really good movie. Uh, Very well received in its day, as I recall. Uh, $7 million budget, made about $25 million in the box office. Uh, Critical reception, Fright Night has a 92% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes with a 7.35 out of 10 on on 36 reviews. So, again, really, really well received. It won a couple awards back in its day. Nothing really, you know, huge. It won a couple Saturn awards, but movie was big, and it was very, very well-received. And I think it holds up. Sure, some of the special effects are a little are a little dated by today's standards. And, and sure, a couple of the actors aren't fantastic. But the dialogue is really good. And I think William Ragsdale nailed it as Charlie. Roddy McDowell was fucking amazing as Peter Vincent. Come on, Chris Sarandon is so good. The soundtrack is really great. Everything about the movie is really good and I highly recommend watching in this October. So that's my number three. My number two, obviously, if you know me and if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that you do. My number two is the 1989 Joe Dante masterpiece, The Burbs. Yes, The Burbs, one of my all time favorite movies, certainly in my top 10 favorite films. This movie is about our central character, Ray Peterson, who lives next to these weird neighbors. They're called the Klopaks, and there are three of them, and they somehow enter the, the neighborhood kind of under mysterious circumstances. There were these other neighbors called the Naps. Nobody remembers them ever leaving, but the Clope- the Klopaks up and just moved in, and they were there, and they're weird. They're Eastern European. Maybe. We don't know. This movie is great because it's all about... It's all about cul-de-sacs and 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 having nosy neighbors where you're more obsessed with what is going across the street than what is going under your own roof. And it's a it's more of a comedy than than a, a horror or a thriller, but there certainly are those elements Joe Joe Dante as I mentioned the filmmaker he he studied under uh, Roger Corman and if you know anything about Roger Corman movies all of his stuff were a little bit campy but mostly suspenseful and this movie completely completely follows that foundation and the cast in this movie is fucking incredible pardon my French but you've got you've got Tom Hanks you've got Carrie Fisher you've got uh um Duran Brewster you've got uh Rick do you've got fucking Corey Feldman in this movie as uh one of the the cool neighbors uh Ricky Butler but what makes this movie interesting is Ray is convinced by some of his his neighbor friends that the Klopeks killed. Not just the Naps, but also one of their senior citizen neighbors, Walter. And Walter is up and missing. Nobody knows where he is. And by some weird, weird happenstance, they came across a femur bone. And they put two and two together that the bone belonged to Walter. So naturally, the Clopex killed Walter. Thus sets off their series of of trials to uncover whether or not the Klopeks are, in fact, killers in in this particular town. God damn, this movie is so good. It's so fun and so enjoyable. I remember the first time I watched this movie, I was maybe, I was anywhere from fourth and sixth grade. I can't remember, but I remember watching this movie in the, uh, in the movie theater back in 1989, and where I grew up in Naples, Florida, and if you listen to this, you're like, well, shit, I thought you grew up in Bermuda. Well, I did. Half of the year I'd be, or rather, more than half of the year I would be in Florida and the other half of the year I'd be in Bermuda and i kind of like go back and forth, back and forth. But when this movie would have come out, I would have been living in Naples, Florida. And at that time, we had a movie theater. It was uh, the Pavilion Movie Theater. And that was kind of like the the hangout on Friday nights. And I remember watching it with a, with a few friends back when I was 10 years old. Even then, I was like, "Holy shit, this movie is the best." Um, I, I was a big fan of Tom Hanks even then, but it was cool. It, you know, I was able to watch it in the theater, and it was fun. So the movie has always stuck with me, and that shit, 1989. It's 31 years later, and I love that movie every bit as much today as I did then. And I, what I what I love about the movie is how self aware it is, and how it how it teeters that balance between the perfect level of camp and comedy and suspense. And it it it's very very self aware, and the acting is great, the music is great, uh, the directing, all of it, it. It it's so good. So when we do my top three favorite nosy neighbor movies. The Burbs is my second favorite. So again, number three, we got Fright Night. Number two, we've got The Burbs. My number one, my all-time number one favorite Nosy Neighbor movie might be in my top five favorite films of all time, and that is the 1954 Alfred Hitchcock masterpiece, Rear Window. I'm kind of been yapping on a little bit longer than I intended to. And of course, naturally when I start talking about movies, this is bound to happen. And especially when we're talking about kind of a, a subgenre or trope or whatever, whatever terminology we want to use, if I'm feeling, I'm gonna keep on yapping. So either A, you're welcome because maybe this is helping you in a a long car ride or B, I'm really sorry. You're like, dude, I just wanted to know what else was going on or shit, you know, I'm just waiting for another episode of Conan to drop. Anyway, point is my, sincer- my sincerest apologies for rambling on, but let me tell you about Rear Window first and foremost. If you haven't seen this movie, what are you doing listening to me right now? Stop this podcast and start watching Rear Window. It is so good, but I'm going to paint the picture for you. It is 1950s America, and you've got a photographer with a broken leg and he's stuck at home. and it is the hottest weekend or week of the year in New York. He lives in a in a building and his neighboring buildings, they all kind of look at each other. It's kind of like a giant like square, and they've got a little courtyard in between. But when he's sitting at his back window, he can see into the apartments of of his neighbors. And the actor is portrayed by Jimmy Stewart. Yes, that Jimmy Stewart for from It's a Wonderful Life and Vertigo and a myriad of other films. You know, you know that Jimmy Stewart. Um, there you go. That's the only impression you're ever going to get from me is me trying to do a really bad Jimmy Stewart. But anyway, he has a broken leg and he's stuck in his apartment. So he has his windows open because it's a really, really hot summer. One night he thinks he overhears a murder being committed by one of his neighbors and what makes this movie really neat is the fact that each each apartment that he kind of looks into they're like tiny little stories that you follow you're only in one room in this entire movie but hitchcock frames it in a way that When you see his perspective, so when he's looking into a room, you see just a small little window of their life on what's going on in there. So you've got Miss Torso and you've got Miss Lonely Hearts and you've got Thorwald and you've got the newlyweds and a couple other rooms. And each room kind of have a different symbolism to something else that's going on within Jimmy Stewart's life. And what I mean by that is Jimmy Stewart has a problem. He is he is dating the world's most beautiful woman of all time. Yes, Grace Kelly. Poor Jimmy Stewart. He's in a relationship with Grace Kelly. I mean, can't can't you just feel horrible for him? Anyway, um, so Jimmy Stewart is a photographer and he travels the world and he's dating a a model, if you will, in Grace Kelly. And she's very what to do. And he's got a problem, you know, what to do about this relationship. Does he commit? Does he tuck his tail and run? Of course, that's really hard because he has a broken leg, but you get the idea. You're like, he doesn't know, do I, do I commit or do I, you know, end this relationship? And that is his, like his eternal struggle. And what's cool is each little window within his apartment's, They represent a different life that he will have if he if he sticks or if he leaves the relationship he has with Grace Kelly and her character's name is Lisa. So that is really kind of cool when you juxtapose it with this idea that he thinks that he witnesses a crime being committed. So of course, he needs to investigate. But how is he going to investigate if he can't leave his house? Well. That is where his girlfriend, Lisa, comes into play, and that is where the suspense takes over, and that is all I'm going to say about that movie, but when we look at Alfred Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock was the master of suspense, and this movie is probably my favorite. It depends. It really depends on the mood I'm in, whether I watch this movie or Vertigo, Uh, but I I kinda teeter. I either like Vertigo a little bit more or I like Rear Window a little bit more, but I think it really comes down to which movie I watch first that particular year or which movie I watch second that particular year. Uh, It kinda goes back and forth. They're both fantastic. They're both masterpieces. Not to take away from other films that he did that were almost as amazing like Psycho. Holy shit, Psycho is amazing, but that's a conversation for a different time. I have now rambled on for a half hour um, I I do apologize, and we've got a couple more minutes because I've got one other thing I want to talk about. But to bring it all home, uh, my top uh, my top three favorite nosy neighbor movies. Number three, Fright Night. Number two, The Burbs. Number one, Rear Window. And the reason for this list once again is because of the fact that I saw some of '84, and it reminded me of all three of these movies, and that's kind of cool. Hopefully this was a worthwhile experience. And if not, maybe this little anecdote uh, will make this episode more fun for you. All right, so obviously we're going through COVID right now and everybody is handling it differently. Well, in my neighborhood, one of my particular neighbors, they've handled it in a really interesting way. So when shit started to go down in March, one of my neighbors basically moved into his garage. He has a huge garage, and it's an amazing garage, and his garage is probably more furnished than my own apartment, or rather my my entire townhouse. But he's got like a 70-inch TV mounted. He's got a better fridge in his garage than I do in my kitchen. He's got like a leather sofa, ping-pong table, just the works. He has everything down there. But from March through maybe the end of May or beginning of June, I can't remember if it was pre or post Memorial Day, but every day from like 7 a.m. to like 8 p.m., he was down there every day. Now, this is a guy that does work or, you know, he, he did work, but he, during this time frame, he was in his garage every day and every day he was just sitting on that leather sofa watching Fox News from 7 a.m. to like 8 p.m., It was fucking crazy. And then something weird happened in the month of June. He wasn't there. And apparently that house had a major leak. I I don't know what leaked or where the leak came from. But one morning we, you know, we looked out our, our back door and we saw that there were like four or five different trucks there and they were just gutting the house. And that that was either, like I said, beginning of of June or end of May. And that shit went on for months. They've only now just stopped um, gutting the house. And we're in October. We're in October. So what the hell was going on in that house for like three months? And also during these three months, nobody was living in the house. I should say that my neighbor is super, super nice. And he's got a great wife. And he's got a couple great kids. And they've got a couple great dogs but it was weird and nobody else on our street asked them, so uh, one, why is Homeboy living in the garage? And two, what caused this leak? And three, where the hell have you guys been the past three months? I assume for the the latter part they you know they're staying in a hotel or something. but I want to know what caused that leak? And two, why would like one party in a household of five people, just live in their garage every day for for like three months. I don't know. It's kind of wild. And so it's all really uh, related to this whole idea of a nosy neighbor. I feel a little bit nosy because of the fact that it would feel like on a Sunday morning, I'm like, holy shit, I have to find out. Is he hanging? Yep, yep, there he is. He's hanging out in his garage. Uh, Tuesday, 8 o'clock, is he? Yeah, there he is. Friday afternoon sure it's Friday he has to be nope nope there he is he's hanging in his garage so that is what I wanted to talk to you about today so hopefully this mini episode and I say mini episode it's now gone on for a half hour hopefully this mini episode has been a a an entertaining rant for you that has made your your car ride or listening experience just somewhat enjoyable so that's all I've got for now. You will see a normal episode again later this week. But until then, as always, thank you for listening. And I I, I will continue to work to make these episodes more enjoyable. But in the interim, thank you for, for listening anyway. And we'll see you next time. Later.